Sorry. Oh, wait. Whoa! <laughs> this isn't my 71 coffee. Welcome to the drive. Let's start. Yeah. Episode five. My name is Jordan Duncan. I am the student director at Miles City Church. With me is only one guest today. We were supposed to have two, and we were also supposed to have DoorDash delivered. Some Chick Fil A. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Amanda, what happened with our Chick Fil A? <laughs> our driver was not. Yeah. Well, got in an accident. Yeah. Chick Fil A went everywhere. <laughs> I can't believe we're just laughing at this poor man situation. But Ryan Mills off camera, tell us what the DoorDash driver's name was. Wasn't it? Michael Dordas. <laughs> Michael Dordas, who works for DoorDash. We hope oh, you're feeling better, Mike, yeah. but we're hungry. Yeah. So, uh, I introduced myself already. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Drivecast, uh, we are a student podcast. Uh, student ministry is called Drive out of Miles City Church. We have two locations, Plymouth and Lyon, Michigan. Third location coming in 2025. And who knows how many more down the road. Um, but I have one guest with me today. Her name's Amanda, uh, but she's got more than just that. Amanda, tell us who you are. Tell us how we know each other. Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, so I'm Amanda. I volunteer with students uh, here at Drive, I think for little over two years, if I'm doing math right in my head. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we know each other. Yep. Um, Ryan Mills approached me about this podcast to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that goes with that. I'm currently a social worker at a private practice in Ann Arbor. And so I work a lot with kids and adolescents. Um, my caseload ranges from six-year-olds to 25-year-olds. So I have um, a lot that I see, a lot that I um, get to walk people through. Um, and I've been doing that for almost five and a half years now. That's so, awesome. yeah. I loved your word in there. You get to walk people through. Not you have to, you get to. Yeah. And I think that just speaks a lot to the heart behind it because sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like you have to do it. But when we get to do it, when we approach it that way, that's a big help. Yeah. By the way, Amanda is my daughter's small group leader. I am. Yeah. yeah so Amanda, so you funny. are in charge of a lot of <laughs> sixth and seventh grade girls. And it feels like every Wednesday there's another half dozen of them, <laughs> doesn't it? I don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> there's a lot of middle school girls. Yeah, there so, are. It's great. But we're thankful for you. Uh, we're thankful for your little mini crew within our, within our bigger crew. Um, Linda, Autumn, and then Molly and Ava are all of our middle school girl leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you mentioned uh, briefly that we are talking about mental health in this episode. And uh, I do want to take a second. Uh, we had another guest scheduled, Susan Herbeck. Uh, couldn't be with us. She's under the weather right now. Um, but Susan uh, has a lot to offer, and uh, mm-hmm. we'd love to have her in for a future podcast or things like that. Um, let me ask elephant in the room. Amanda, when's the baby coming? Baby's coming end of March, March 31st. So awesome. it could be April, could be March. And we found out recently that it is a... It's a girl. It's a yeah. girl. All right. So like 11 years from now, she'll be in your small group. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we'll get you out of Heck the sixth yeah. graders by then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's awesome. So this is your second child on the second way. Second one, yeah. Uh, Amanda's husband, Kevin, is another middle school leader in our group. And uh, while you are a social worker... Um, 
I think as a volunteer in student ministry as well, you also deal with mental health on that side of things as well. Mm. So we're glad to have you here. You're kind of the expert. We have some questions to ask, and uh, I'll weigh in a little bit, but I'll defer to you a lot more. Mm. Um, but we want to talk mental health because I think it's not just because it's like a hot topic, um, although I do feel like it's become a bigger issue sure. in the past couple of years, a bigger discussion thing. And I think that's a good thing. Wouldn't you agree that totally. we talk about it more? Yep. Yeah. I think even before the pandemic, I think the pandemic kind of pushed some things out for a lot of people. But I, I think even before um, there was kind of this, I don't want to say trend with you know, going to therapy and talking about mental sure. health, but I, I feel like it kind of is a trend um, of just seeing not only adults, but kids kind of step out. Um, I know schools are doing a lot more to kind of push yep. mental health awareness in school, um, which is awesome. And so there's kind of this, this movement, I feel like I've seen happen where people um, are more open, more accepting, kind of more curious about the idea of mental health and just what, um, what it is, yeah. how to deal with it, how to talk about it. Yeah. Um, which, which is cool to see. Um, I first went to therapy when I was maybe 12 or 13 years oh, old. Wow. Okay. And I remember it feeling very against, you know, what a lot of people thought I should be doing. Um, and so it's encouraging to see some of that, you like know, it's embraced more. yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, families will come in together and siblings are there to support each other and um, both parents are there on board. And so it's, it's just good to see people kind of embracing this more than kind of yeah. being afraid of it. And, and I think we're seeing the church embrace it more too, which um, sometimes it feels like the church lags a little behind on things, unfortunately, <clears throat> where I feel like we should be leading the way. Um, but I do think we're, Catching up a little bit, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's kind of something I want. We talked a little bit off the air about some things, and you already hit like the the more we talk about things, the more people understand. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, it didn't get talked about. I think about my own life, and the more I understand mental illness, and we say mental health, but mental illness is really what people struggle with, and we want to get them to a place of mental health. Um, but the more I understand it, the more I can look back in my life and be like oh, so-and-so had that mm -hmm. or so-and-so struggled with that and mm -hmm. I never saw it back then because mm -hmm. I didn't understand it, mm -hmm. you know? So it's good to understand. It's good to see signs. We'll talk about all that tonight mm -hmm. uh, as we as we talk more. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do think the church has lagged a little behind and we've started to catch up. There's a phrase that's gone around on social media. It's okay to have Jesus and a therapist, which mm -hmm. I love. Mm -hmm. um, they don't disqualify each other. And in fact, we all need Jesus. And I think I said, most of us need a therapist too, you know, um, but it's, it doesn't counteract. In fact, I think they go hand in hand. Um, and it's something that we really want people to know. There's no shame in that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so first off the bat, if, if, if you're listening and you feel like maybe you need someone to talk to, maybe you have been talking about therapy or something like that, I would encourage someone to do it. Yeah. Um, I would encourage someone to take that step and explore that. And if you think that it affects your faith or impacts your faith, uh, I would, I would urge you to understand that it doesn't, um, before we go real into it. Like mm -hmm. that's my little flag I want to plant is that for a lot of people who struggle with mental health as Christians, now there's all different types of people in the world. I'm speaking as a follower of Christ. Uh, for a long time, there's been this idea that if you're depressed, if you have anxiety, just pray more. Mm 
mm-hmm. or just read your Bible more and it'll go away. Now, I'm not saying to pray more and reading your Bible isn't good. Mm-hmm. That's always a good recipe, but that's not a guarantee that it makes those things go away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think it's helpful. I think it's important. Sure. It's a good thing to be grounded in, um, but I think there are so many other things happening um, that taking a step back um, and even with the church, you know, the more we can help people understand themselves, the more we can really help those people connect with Jesus and and deepen in their faith. And so it's, it's just being, I really like the word curious, you know, being curious about what this mental health thing is, right? How can we really support people in a way that is, you know, from a Christ loving perspective, but also like we live in a world where there's just so much pain and hurt and I'm not sure that's going away anytime soon. And so let's approach that and not feel intimidated by that. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, There used to be, and I'm glad we've moved away from this. There used to be an idea that depression, I I, I say depression a lot. I think that's the prevailing Mm -hmm. mental health issue that people struggle with, but anxiety as well that it, it links it to sin. Mm. And I would say to anyone listening, if you struggle with depression, if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with sense of self and things like that, that is not a sin to <clears throat> struggle with those things. Now, sin can heighten it totally, and sin can fan those flames, but you are not in sin for the thoughts that you mm-hmm. have that you can't really mm-hmm. deal with. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really important thing as a Christian to say, hey, that's not sin. It can lead you to sin and sin can amplify it. But your mm-hmm. sickness, mm-hmm. because it's an illness, mm-hmm. is not sin. Yeah. There's a, a book called The Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd that mm. I use, I think about all the time about how when God created us, he created us with a capacity to feel so many different things. Right. Um, and and I I think that that is powerful and beautiful. But I think in that there can be pain, too. You yep. know, I don't think God is going to give everyone a painless life or a life that's easy. That was never promised to us, but he knows we have capacity to hold all these different feelings, right? So how can that be, you know, he's not punishing us for giving us these feelings as how we are created. That's part of the beauty of being human and, and being so, um, just unique and crazy that we are right. The creatures that we are, but, um, I don't take the perspective of that being, shameful or burdensome, right? Like right. you have capacity to feel, how can we embrace that and, and kind of view that through our creator's lens rather than it being shamed or something you have to, to hold in or feel confused by. Right. Um, and I, yeah. I think that's something that humanity has always dealt with. Cause I think of John chapter nine, which at our church, we're going through the book of John and John nine is the man who was born blind and Jesus gave him sight. And I go to the verse where they ask him, teacher, who sinned that made him like this? Mm. You know, when you talk about pain and we say, well, well, this guy's suffering, so what did he do wrong? Mm. Or who did something wrong to make this happen? And unfortunately, it's not always the result of sin. It's just we, we're we in a broken world. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's uh, talk a little bit more about some statistics um, sure. because people might be listening, why are you talking about this? It doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome if it doesn't affect you. Uh, I'm glad for you, but it likely affects someone you know and you might not know it. So um, I'm going to read from the doc you shared. Totally, yeah. Um, stati- statistics for kids that battle with anxiety, depression, and trauma. Nearly 20% of children and young people aged 3 to 17 in the United States have a mental, emotional, developmental, or behavioral disorder. 
and suicidal behaviors among high school students increased more than 40% in the decade before 2019. Mental health challenges were the leading cause of death and disability in this age group. And this is all before COVID, like, just totally. blew those numbers up yeah. even more. Yeah. So, like, what's, what's uh, the number that jumps out to me is age three, even. Mm-hmm. Like, as young as that age, we can start to see, like, struggles, you know? I mean, your little guy is... Two. Two. Like, yeah. he's not he's not even three yet. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just... Mm-hmm. I picture him, like, saying, Gween, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and just to think that, like, it, he's a year away from uh, kids his age struggling with things. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't... As a parent, it hurts. Yeah. You know, as a, as a person, it hurts. But I think it's something we have to talk about so people can understand. It doesn't start in adulthood. Mm-hmm. It doesn't start in high school. It can start way younger than that. And you said you deal with that sometimes in your job. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot has changed about being a kid, you know, and (laughs) it's, it's sad. But again, going back to what I said is I think this is our world, you know, when we can try to shelter and we can try to run and hide, but kids are exposed to a lot of things, regardless of how careful you are and how, particular you are. Um, and so I just think having that awareness, you know, to not let it totally strike you with fear. Um, but to, you know, like you were talking about notice things differently, it gives you a way to help understand younger kids even. Right. Um, it's easy to kind of dismiss kids for being emotional or crazy or, you know, um, really ADHD, but right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's okay to kind of, again, I love this word, be curious about it, sure. right? Like what, what really is going on here? Um, is there, you know, conversation I can have? I mean, three-year-olds understand a lot. They're sponges. Yep. Um, and yep. so to not, to not shy away from that, I think is just an encouragement I would give to parents. You know, it's not a, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. You know, you're not a bad parent. Right. This is stuff that your kid's dealing with. Um, but just an encouragement to to stay awake. Right. As mm-hmm. a parent, um, I have three kids. Um, and it's kind of interesting story. I, I feel like I kind of got this job at Miles City through a lesson that I taught at Drive. Um, I'm not sure if you were there or not. I know you guys were serving, but I spoke on mental health and Drive close to two years ago. I and, remember um, this. We had a list of, I think it's like the top 10 different mental illnesses that teenagers struggle with. And I shared, and I, I won't share all the details uh, for their privacy, but all three of my kids have been diagnosed with one of those three, one of those mm-hmm. d- different things, um, one of those 10 illnesses. And like I have a 20 year old, an 18 year old, and an 11 year old. And I can think back to when they were younger. And like I think of my 18 year old who struggles with anxiety. And I think of him like in kindergarten. I'm like, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's had anxiety for a long time. Mm -hmm. Back then, we thought he was just scared or Mm -hmm. shy. And he was. Right. But probably because of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, My my kid with ADHD, you probably know which one it is. (laughs) (laughs) She's in drive right now. I love them all. But, like, she's a fireball, you know, and she's always going. She's always moving. And she's always been like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we adopted her. Um. I guess I could say it's my daughter at this point, right? <laughs> Secrets out. <laughs> um, but 
you know, she's proud of, like, she openly admits I have ADHD and like, and that's one that we don't think of all that often we think mm-hmm. of mental, uh, mental struggles, but like mm-hmm. ADHD is a struggle. Mm-hmm. Like it's harder to focus. It's harder to get tests done that other people can just knock out. Um, but I think back to when she was three and four and I'm like, whoo, this girl's something. Yeah. Well, she had ADHD, mm-hmm. you know, um, so when we say that and we talk about just looking for things, what are some signs? Let's talk from a student perspective because this is a student podcast. So if our students are listening, you might be a student and you don't deal with any of those things. You likely have a friend who does. You likely have people in your friend group, on your team, maybe a brother or sister who does deal with these things. What are some things, Amanda, that they can look for in their (coughs) friends like some signs or even in themselves, mm-hmm. if maybe they think maybe I do have something mm-hmm. going on. What are some signs that you should look for? Um, I think some signs. That's okay. <laughs> Let's not cut that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what are some signs that they should look for? Oscar. <laughs> signs to look for with yourself and others. I think some of the big ones that I think about are just isolation, withdrawal, um, change in like sleep or even Mm. eating habits, um, stuff like that. Um, Also paying attention to how your body feels physically, I think is important. There's a lot of clues, I think, that our body tries to give us. You know, we hold stress in different areas, shoulders, stomach. Um, And so just paying attention to how you feel physically also, I think can be something to look out for. Um, If you're feeling easily distractible, just, you know, it doesn't have to be something huge, right? It doesn't have to be something life-changing, but I think little things often lead to something that can be big. Um, sure. So those little things I think are some of the good ones. Yeah. In my experiences, people I've dealt with, isolation seems to be one that I really seems to be like a trending thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like seems to be a re- more common than other things. So like I would say to, to a student who's listening, maybe you've got a friend who hasn't been returning your calls or hasn't been hanging out and stuff. And maybe you think they're mad at you or th- this or that. Reach out to that friend because they might be going through something uh, that you're unaware of. Um, so don't be so quick to jump to conclusions that they've done something or you've done something, reach out and ask those questions. And those questions are hard to ask sometimes though, aren't they? Yeah. I think a question that I kind of go to and even for students talking to each other, I think is, you know, you don't have to straight up be like, are you feeling depressed today? You know, how's your anxiety? But I really like the question of how's your heart, you Mm, know, what's on your heart today? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit direct, but it's also like I care about you and just checking in on you. Sure. Um, how's your heart? I'm going to throw you off here for a second because yeah. we kind of have notes that we've gone through. Yeah. What, what would you say in your experience? Do you think, because it just seems like this to me, and tell me if I'm off base here. It feels like with females versus males, I think it's a little easier for females to have those how's your heart conversations than a guy asking a guy friend. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. Yeah. It just feel like, you know, like guys, like I think of my friends. I don't, me and Mills text all the time. Mm-hmm. We talk all the time. And we do have those conversations here and there, but I don't text and be like, how's your heart, man? Right. You know, like, but I, I feel like it's a little easier for females. I don't, I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think speaking as a guy that 
sometimes guys we have to, to have those hard conversations um, that we don't want to have. Yeah. And even going back, I think that's maybe some of the lingering stigma is Correct. a lot for, you know, even teen, like guy teens, you know, of like you know, who are in sports, you know, kind of have a certain personality and, and not just. Yeah, exactly. There's kind of that. Um, I don't know. It's hard. I I've, I know that it's hard for some guys to open up and sure. be vulnerable about that stuff and even pay attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, like to be aware of their own emotions is, is a skill to kind of learn. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it's not even you see someone struggling, but just, you know, I want to start talking about stuff that we probably should talk about, you know? Sure. And so let's get comfortable, comfortable with this, even though it is a little uncomfortable, you know, to tap into those feels. But um, I... Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is um, a personal story that I'll share is um, when I think when I when I was in high school, uh, I went through a couple of different best friends. You know, we always have those sure. cycles. Right. One of my best friends in high school was a guy named Dustin. And Dustin and I were like thickest thieves uh, for about three years. And I think back now to conversations we had and almost everything we talked about was surface. We talked mm -hmm. about girls, basketball, video games and movies. Mm hmm. And we hung out every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we never asked how each other were doing. And, you know, fast forward now, almost 30 years later, dating myself very much. Uh, I learned that Dustin, as an adult, struggled with bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety. And again, we talked about this earlier. I can look back now and see, oh, yeah, because there was times where he, like, wouldn't return a call. Yeah. And we thought Dustin was just mad. And Dustin mm -hmm. was just being Dustin, you know. Mm -hmm. But now I can see he had that even as a teenager, but I never had those conversations. And it's something I regret to this day. Um, so I would encourage, um, and, and I'm just speaking as a guy, other guys to reach out to your guy friends. Girls, of course, do the same. <clears throat> and I'm not saying it's easy for girls either, you right. know, to have yeah. those hard conversations. Yeah. Totally. Um, but that's just a personal thing for me is like, it still weighs on me that I can think back to my past and see a friend that I see now was struggling. I didn't see it then. And there's nothing I can do about it mm -hmm. other than moving forward. If I'm in that situation again, make the better choice. Yeah. You know, I don't do, I, I can't dwell on the past. Some people <clears throat> do struggle with that. You know, if yeah. you struggle with that, that's another issue. Yeah. Um, but it, it was hard. Um, yeah. But I was a kid then. I'm an adult now, which kind of takes us right into the next question is how can adults uh, so you and I are both parents. We're both adults. Uh, we've got an awesome crew of, on any given Wednesday, 20 to 25 adults who come and hang out with our students. Uh, but there's parents, there's teachers, there's coaches, there's employers um, who are surrounded by students. You know, So how can adults help students, and this is a good one, who don't know what they need emotionally and mentally? Because you said, try and take stock of yourself but in adolescence sometimes you don't know what's going on totally you know yeah. so let's talk about it let's talk first from as student leaders we both work and drive together mm -hmm. other student leaders what can we do for a student who maybe is struggling but they don't really know what would you say to, if we, we had our student leaders here i think listening um yeah. i think it's not always about what we can say what advice we can give, you know, what conversation we can carry on, but simply just being present, you yeah. know, not being distracted ourselves, whether we're on phones or doing other things, you know, just being available to listen. 
Um, and I think it's okay. I say this all the time while I'm at work of just being honest of, you know, I don't have the right words right mm. now. You know, I don't know if there's anything yeah. I can say that will change the way that you feel, right. you know, um, and just kind of owning that in the space with that person, you know, I think it's validating. I think it's, it creates a safe space, you know? Um, and again, like you said, a lot of the times we don't know what we need, even as adults, right. sometimes it's hard to know what we need in a situation. Um, and so to not feel like we need the right answers. Um, and I think prayer kind of comes into that too, right? Of like, as leaders praying that we have that posture for our students, sure. right? That we can be open, we can be a safe space for them, right? And yeah. just having the Holy Spirit guide our conversation, right? Where it should go, um, I think is a big piece of it too. Yeah. Um, of, that's kind of part of listening, yeah. right? It's also listening to the Holy Spirit mm. in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Something I try to put into whenever we, we have huddles on Wednesday nights before drive and I try to incorporate this in every prayer when I pray for the students is that every student who comes feels seen, known, and loved. Mm -hmm. Not just by Jesus, but by us as well. Mm -hmm. um, because I think if a student does feel seen and known, mm -hmm. uh, then they are more inclined when they are ready to speak to come to us. Mm -hmm. If they feel like we don't see them, if they feel like we don't know them, then they're not going to come to us mm -hmm. with their struggles. And, yeah. and loved, of course. You know, right. like we see you, we know you, but we don't love you. That would, If we don't love you, like what good are we? Right. You know, like that's the most important one, but mm -hmm. it's, that's the one we focus on, but we also have to make sure that these students are, feel known mm -hmm. um, and yeah. feel like you said, I love that you say yeah. safe. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I think parents probably, they I would hope they feel safe with their parents. It's not always the case. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to provide other people <clears throat> that they can feel safe around, I think yeah. is really, really good. Yeah. Um, so now same question, but, from a perspective of, of a parent, would you yeah. say listening is still key? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, finding those spaces that you can create with your kid that are safe. I know people have big families, right? But yeah. being intentional with finding space that is safe for your child, right? Maybe it's somewhere in private. Maybe it's at their favorite place to go visit. Um, doing something that they enjoy. You know, there's different ways that parents can be creative doesn't have to just be sitting down one-on-one. Sure. -on -one. Sometimes that doesn't feel safe yeah, for sometimes kids. Sometimes that's the worst. Yeah, right, like. yeah. Um, but getting creative with it, putting music on, you know, having things that kind of create an environment that is mm. welcoming, you know? Like, I'm open to talk. And again, just your posture, right? Putting distractions aside, phones aside. Um, as adults, it's really easy for us to become busy, even on Wednesday night at Drive. There's so mm -hmm. many students. There's so much happening. Um, but to just try to be intentional in small moments, you know, and, and show with your body language and with your eye contact that you are, you know, you're present. You're not just asking questions because, you know, you're a leader and you're checking in on students. Sure. It's like, no, I, I genuinely care about you, you know, and I think a lot of that conveys through posture. And so just being aware of that. Um, and even as an adult, if you're struggling, you know, what does this person need, right? I don't know. I think it's okay to ask that too, right? Like, yeah. can you, are you able to identify anything that you need right now, right? Sure. Do you need more time to talk? Do you need something to eat? Like think basic, basic, basic needs here. It doesn't have to be 
something revolutionary in that Mm -hmm. moment, um, but to identify just a a small need that they might have. Do you need a hug? Do you need, you know, a cup of water? Um, Mm -hmm. Anything in that moment, I think, makes a connection and establishes kind of that, like, I'm here and I care, you know? That's awesome. And I think that's important. Um, I shared already that, excuse me, all three of my kids have had their own struggles and something that I've had to learn the hard way because I was a little hard-headed about it is with that that need and ask what they need is versus listening is sometimes as a parent, my default is to fix, fix, fix. Mm-hmm. And they don't want me to fix it. They just want me there. Mm-hmm. And that was really a struggle I had. Um, and what I compare that to when we talked about this a little before we started taping is sympathy versus empathy. So if you're a parent and you're listening, um, we all have sympathy for our kids. Sympathy, I think, comes a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, sympathy is essentially, I feel bad for you. Mm-hmm. You, know, My kid is struggling. My kid is hurting. My friend is hurting, going through something. I feel bad. That's a normal response. Uh, but empathy is, I understand their struggle. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference. And I think the reason why we lean on sympathy is because it's, it's how I feel about the situation. Mm-hmm. I feel this way about what's going on. Whereas empathy is trying to understand how they feel about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, it took me a while to figure that part out mm-hmm. uh, because it was always in my own feelings, trying to fix my feelings at the expense of my kids' feelings. Yeah. And that was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so any parent who's listening, don't make the mistake I did. It's, uh, I'm not saying don't feel sad or don't be emotionless, but understand your kid has feelings too and try to understand them. Mm-hmm. And if we could be empathetic as well as sympathetic, they're not at odds with each mm-hmm. other, but they're not the same thing. Right. Yeah. You know, I think empathy is hugely important. Yeah. And I think sympathy is a natural sure. response in some of those situations, yeah. right? Like we, we see what's happening in the world. We've lived part of it and yep. it's part of us is just naturally inclined to feel bad for them. Right. right. And if that's you don't okay. have sympathy, that's an issue for you. <laughs> yeah. That's another whole conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah. But empathy is really taking the time to, there's a visual I saw once in school and it was, you know, someone's in this hole and someone's shouting down into it, talking to them, trying to figure out what they need. Sympathy, yeah. right? Empathy is someone brings a ladder, crawls down into the hole and is there with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's taking time to understand what it is that person's experiencing, even if it's nothing you've gone through before. Right. Empathy right. is hard sometimes. And that's That was for me. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know what this feels like. Yeah. It's hard. Right. I think it's okay for it to be hard too, you know? Yeah. Um, it takes time and, and not everybody's situation is the same as us. We don't have the same experiences, but, um, I think if you can recognize your sympathy and just try to squeeze some empathy out, um, people notice. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. You know, I, I, as you talk, I try to like think of the Bible and I think of Job, mm. you know, like he, he needed empathy from his friends. Mm-hmm. And what we see with Job is his friends sit there and they keep talking and they keep talking and they keep talking he wasn't really looking for answers. He was just looking for companionship, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I couldn't quote a verse from it or anything like that. But <clears throat> yeah. uh, And sometimes that's what the person needs. Like, I'm going to sit in this pit. And like, well, I'm going to sit next to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it's dirty. Yeah. Pits are dirty. It's messy. But sometimes we got to get messy with the person. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I tell people sometimes that we just got to sit in the suck. You know, <laughs> sometimes... It's where we land, you right. know, and we can't go back and change the things we've done. Correct. Um, but let's sit here. Let's think. Let's feel. Let's process um, and work together. Which is a perfect time to talk about who sponsors the Drivecast. 71? Yeah, 71 <laughs> Coffee. 
Not 7-1 coffee, as episode four let us know. It's 71, 71 coffee. Mm. Now, the reason people think 7-1 coffee is because here at Mild City, we believe that seven equals one. I don't know what that means, though. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> um, but yeah, 71 coffee. Uh, if, you, if you come visit Mild City Church, we've got our coffee shop open. Um, a lot of churches have that. A lot of churches don't. Uh, we do. But here's what makes our special. 71 Coffee is uh, totally no profit at all. Every dollar that's spent on our coffee, when you get a drink, when you get a hot chocolate, my daughter likes cold brews now. My 11-year-old's drinking cold brews. I love that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, even bottles of water. What that does is every dollar that's spent, it doesn't go to Mile City. We donate it to uh, different uh, charities in our in our neighborhood. Uh, I believe we've partnered with Active Faith in the past, AAA Pregnancy Center, Spiro Freedom Project, and we just turn around and take that money and put it right back into our community, uh, into places that really probably help. Yeah, see, it's good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? Coffee. <laughs> Mine tastes like Sprite. That's a new blend. That's a new blend. I think it's the LeBron bean. <laughs> but yeah, when you're here at Miles City, if you come, pick up 71 Coffee and... Uh, just know that when you spend that money, and it's cheaper than Starbucks. It is. Yeah, the cups aren't as nice, but you know, mm-hmm. still cheaper than Starbucks. We won't spell your name wrong, and the money you give us will go to the community for people who need it. So let's get back to it. Um, so let's talk about talk therapy a little bit, because I think there's still a stigma with that. You know, like going to a therapist, like even like the joke, I'm in the chair and you're on the couch. The joke was I was going to lay down on the couch <laughs> the whole time, which I don't mind laying down. Uh, any chance I get to lay down, I will take it, you Same. know, but like even like that, I think some people still think going to a therapist is laying on a couch while you just I take my notes. Exactly. You take yeah, your notes and things yeah. like that. Um, how can we remove that stigma of seeking counsel and talk to the people about what talk therapy really is and how it benefits us? Um, I think there's, you know, different layers to removing stigma. Um, I, I like what you said earlier of if it's something you're thinking about, if it's something that's on your heart, I don't think that's an accident, right? Mm, Like if it's a thought you have, I believe that that's probably intentional, right? And so finding a different way to look into that, kind of search around that, um, you also don't have to stick with the same therapist you meet with the first time. I mm-hmm. always tell people this has to like, this has to go both ways, right? Sure. You know, you have to feel comfortable. You have to feel safe. Um, I take no offense to that. I want you to find that person for you in that space for you. And so, um, it can kind of be an awkward process to start, right? Like, sure. Hey, I've never met you before, but tell me, what you're struggling with right yeah, now. Right. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's a vulnerable experience. It, it can be uncomfortable. Um, but knowing that those, that person is there solely for that purpose, mm. you know, there's nothing you will say that will scare that person. There's no judgment in that room. Um, and so I feel like you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. You know, um, you owe yourself something give it a try go in the room if it's horrible and you hate it you don't have to go back you know no one's i'm not making you sign anything that says you have to come to so many sessions that's not a thing yeah um you have free will in this situation you don't even have to tell me everything at a first appointment you know um but to just come in and try it see what the space is like see what the feel is like um I think that's really important and you can kind of shop around right to find your therapist to find the place that feels like it's a good fit for you 
all of us therapists are very different in how we practice kind of our styles, our own values and beliefs. And so use that to your advantage. You know, Mm. we're not all the same cookie cutter person. Um, And I think that that's a special part of our field is that there's a different person for everyone. Um, As you say that, it makes me think of like when you're looking for a church. Totally. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, there's tons of churches out there, but not every church is for every person. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to find the right church that fits you. You got to find the right community that Mm -hmm. fits you, the right pastor and body believers. Like, yeah. And as parents supporting your kids going to therapy, you can ask them those questions, right? Like, do you like this person? Are you Hmm. benefiting from this? You know, don't just assume that things are going Great. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It can be it can be really hard. Um, and so support whoever that person is, you know, you, you know, if it's a student, if it's a parent, if it's a friend, family, um, ask about it. Yeah. You know, um, the worst that person will say is I don't want to talk about it. Sure. Um, but I think that's an important part about talk therapy. Um, I mean, I'm biased because I'm a therapist, <laughs> right. but I, I think it's awesome. Um, taking time to slow down and, and process and explore your own experiences is like, that's amazing. Right. You know, um, <clears throat> it can be really healing for a lot of different things. Yeah. So a little bit of behind the scenes, what goes into making these episodes is we get the people who are going to be on the show. and We kind of give them questions ahead of time so you can think about what we're going to talk yeah. about. And you actually wrote some stuff down. And what you wrote that I like is, I think part of removing the stigma requires removing the belief that Mm. things need to be bad enough Mm -hmm. to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be like last resort. Totally. It can be first stop sometimes. Yeah. It can be anything. You're struggling with school, friends, Mm. you're going through a big transition, right? You're just feeling anxious about something, right? There doesn't have to be that big thing where things are bad enough that you have to go see someone. True. Um, I, I really like that, you know, kind of removing the shame out of it too, you yeah. know, shame sucks, man. Shame sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sit in the suck. Shame sucks. We got two sucks. Now. <laughs> like, I feel like we need a positive. <laughs> yeah. Right. A positive. But, I didn't write one down. <laughs> Sorry guys. But, um, you know, like when we talk about stigmas, shame usually kind of goes with them. Totally. And I think therapy can help eliminate that shame like I've talked about shame in students before and shame and guilt are not the same thing Mm -hmm. guilt I think is a healthy response Mm -hmm. shame is not Mm -hmm. guilt is acknowledging something's gone wrong or I've done something wrong shame is I am wrong Mm -hmm. or something's wrong with me and you won't really find that in the bible like that you are not worth it yeah um and that's what shame tells you yeah and so whether it's therapy whether it's talking to a parent whether it's talking to a friend whether it's church whether it's praying on your own, whatever you can find to shatter that lie that your own brain sometimes is telling you, you got to do it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and talk therapy might be the best yeah, for you. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, well, we talked about drive leaders a little bit already and what they can do and, and listening is key, you know, um, and listening, uh, just to add to listening, I think listening to hear rather than listening to respond. Mm-hmm. It, it matters. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, a lot of times we, we listen and um, we just are waiting for them to finish so we can address what they said. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm safe in the sense that 
I don't have to go and tell the pastor what you tell me. And I don't have to go and tell this person unless it is a case of abuse or yep. uh, sexual misconduct or, or crimes, yep. things like that. Or we you're are hurting yourself yes, or hurting we are, somebody else. We do have to report those yep. things. Um, but if it's just I'm feeling bad or I'm struggling with this, mm-hmm. you know, if a kid in drive goes to you, you don't have to come and tell me that. And every leader in the world knows, no. you know, there's sometimes there's some safety and strength in having that person to confide mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the natural step as a leader is then we encourage them to share with other people. Yeah. too. You know, yeah. um, okay. So speaking on drive though. Um, so this is what you do for a living, but also as a Christ follower, you kind of have that balancing act of like, you can't just go to your job every day and, open the Bible to every client because some of them don't want to hear that. Totally. Um, but for this podcast, we do want to hear that. So what is some biblical or scriptural advice you would give to students or someone who needs some help? Well, when I was thinking through this question, I feel like the best way to explain it is to kind of jump back to when I was in middle school and I was, you know, how do I, how do I handle this? Yeah. Um, how do I talk about this? Um, And the biggest thing that I really wrestled with was how does God really relate to what I'm feeling, right? Like that created some division in my faith of like, he doesn't understand. Things are so different now. You know, he is perfect. He is holy, (laughs) right? I am not. I am doing things that are not perfect and not holy. You know, how, how do these come together at some point, you know? Um, And I, it really took, it was a very slow process for me to understand kind of this idea of suffering, right? Mm. Through um, the crucifixion, especially of like understanding that that was God's son, right? And that that was physical pain, but also emotional yeah. and spiritual, like just heaviness, yeah. right? I mean, he prayed until he bled. Yeah. Like, you know, like. Yeah. And so I think understanding the severity of suffering and the importance of suffering in the Bible is what opened me to be like, this is part of mm. life, right? Like this isn't something that creates division for me with Christ, but it actually brings me closer to him, right? Wow. Like if I use that and bring that to him, it creates more intimacy. It creates more depth, more understanding than if I feel like this is what he wants to separate us, mm. you know? Um, and so kind of embracing that suffering, you know, like, okay, God, you can relate to that a little bit. You know, you didn't call me into this world to live pain free or suffering free, but that that might be part of what I have to go through. Um, and I think God really honors that when we can bring that to him authentically, you know, um, he wants us to lay that down. He wants us to, to kind of face what it is we're feeling, you know? And I think the more we can do that, the closer that that does bring us to him. Mm. And it's so, it's hard that like, I'm not worthy, the shame cycle, right? That is so hard. Um, and there's always been this little voice in the back of my head, um, which I, is there part of mental illness that correlates to some misalignment with the Holy Spirit, right? Like something is interfering here that is causing me to think in a distorted way or believe Mm, something that's not true, right? And so I think a lot of it is spiritual. And so am I really coming to war with this stuff, right? Like, am I really fighting with this as I should, or am I really just surrendering it to the devil, right? Of like, okay, you win. I'm in this trap of shame and it's really hard, but... You know, 
I kind of throw my hands up. Um, but to come, come to war with it, it is not easy and it is not going to get easier. I don't think, and I don't say that in a cynical way, but in like a encouragement of, you know, go to war with it. God wants you to go to war with that stuff. And so get real with it, get messy with it. Um, he is not afraid of that. He is not intimidated by that. He is not loving you less because of that. He is bringing you in closer with that. Um, talk about a safe space. Um, that's where, yeah. So that's kind of the, where my worldly and biblical, I don't know if that really answers the question. No, it's helpful. Um, Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's just, it's a war. You know, some of that mental illness is a war. It is. Our minds can turn really fast. Well, that's one of the biggest struggles is like, if, if I say something about you that you know not to be true, you can say, well, Jordan's lying. Mm-hmm. But if your own mind is saying it, like that's a battle that you mm-hmm. have to fight with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a tough battle to fight. Yeah. You know, it's it's not not to say that it doesn't hurt if I lie about you or if Mills yeah. says something about you. It still might yeah. hurt, but you can acknowledge that's not true. Right. You can acknowledge, okay, that's not good or that's right. not helpful yeah. because it's coming yeah. from somewhere else. But a lot of times with mental illness, it comes from ourselves. Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I would add to what you're saying, and I love what you said, is that God's also not absent through any of it mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes we think in our despair, like going back to what you talk about the pit, well, he's the first one in the pit with us, you know, mm-hmm. um, and he's present through all of it. And, you know, again, to bring up John, which we're going through in church, we just got through John chapter 11 where Lazarus died mm-hmm. and Jesus was there as they were grieving. Jesus was there where Mary and Martha were probably hurting the, the worst. He was right there. You know, you will never find Jesus absent from suffering. You will find Jesus in suffering, I think, mm-hmm. because yeah. he suffered too. Yeah. I find it interesting too, a lot of like social work values years and years and years ago were based in some form of Christian theology, mm-hmm. right? Of there being hope, of there being love and acceptance. And and as time goes on, you know, things change, right? Sure. I Like you said, I can't at work preach the gospel. I can't pray for people. There's situations in which I can, um, but that's not always the case. Um, but again, how am I embodying Christ in that moment? Right. I don't need to Bible slap people. That's not always (laughs) helpful. Um, but what is Christ like again is listening, right. And understanding, not getting scared of what people bring, not bringing judgment to what people bring. Right. Jesus never did that. Um, Jesus was accepting and he listened and he was slow to, to approach people. Right. And so just carrying that same posture with people who aren't believers, I think is helpful too. Um, and again, I think they notice when they are feeling seen and are feeling heard, you know? Um, so I think one thing that's really accelerated, uh, not just the talk of mental health, but the, the crisis of mental health struggles has been the pandemic that we've <coughs> gone through slash are going through like COVID mm-hmm. changed really a lot of our world. Um, and I know it's a weird segue, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, you said like just a few minutes ago, like it's going to get worse and it's always, and it, I feel like what we've seen in the past few years is rising numbers, rising statistics, rising this, rising that. Um, as a professional, what are some of like the lasting effects you've seen from the pandemic and like what has been the result of, of that? 
I think the two that really stand out to me are fear and isolation. Mm. Um, I think the pandemic, I think at some point or another, one of us can acknowledge that we were afraid maybe <laughs> of what was going to happen or what is happening. Um, and I think did that's... You, did you wipe down your groceries ever? <laughs> <laughs> like, I did not. Some of us got to that point where it was like, wipe down the chips before we no, eat them. Yeah. Like, you know, I know like, people who did that. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, should I be doing that? <laughs> right. You know? Just the fear um, of the unknown. Fear of the yeah. unknown. Yeah. How do we live in uncertainty? Mm-hmm. Who do we trust? You know? And, and I think some of that definitely carries on of, you know, just this vibe of fear, right? Like a lot of times it's a reaction and an instinct to things, right? As something changes or something new happens or I'm in like a place I'm not quite sure. I think fear creeps in so quickly, Mm. you know, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, And I, I think in my opinion that the pandemic kind of accelerated some of that fear, right? Like it's okay to be afraid. This is really scary. This is really uncertain. People are dying, right? Um, but even in the Bible, we're not taught to take on a spirit of fear, Correct. you know, um, that was never what God intended us to have. And so I, I think about that a lot. And the other one I think about is isolation, just that we kind of got used to being alone, yeah. you know, and, and not that there's anything bad with it, but I think balance is always good. Yep. You know, are you spending all your time alone in your room, not talking to people, going places, um, you know, I think I think balance is good. It's easy to isolate, um, but get out, yeah. be with people, have yeah. some friends. You know, it doesn't have to. You don't have to be the extrovert of the church. Sure, um, you <laughs> that's can, Ryan Mills' job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows everybody. Yeah, but I but I think isolation and fear; those are kind yeah. of the two that. And it's kind of like they they drive each other. They work together. Yeah, yeah. Like fear causes isolation. Isolation causes fear, and it's just like totally. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. Um, so saying that, I would say, uh, to any students listening, um, you know, don't, don't spend, don't spend life by yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing that I love about drive is the community yeah, that we have, um, from sixth grade all the way to 12th, you know, and what's really cool is seeing like the middle schoolers even interact with the high schoolers mm-hmm. and like the high schoolers lead by example and the high schoolers, the middle schoolers are watching you guys. Um, so whether you're leading by example intentionally or not, you are. Um, and it's just a cool community where you can find people, where you can find people your age, and maybe people who know your struggles. You can find adults who are willing to pour into you. Maybe you don't have that at home. Uh, and maybe you do, but you just need more. I mean, I think we we're, we're, we never don't need another person to love us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, we could always use an extra person to love mm-hmm. on us. So That's one of the big things that helped me was finding people yeah. that I could just be around, you right. know? and. And feel comforted by their presence, not necessarily by anything miraculous they did, but just right. Yeah, yeah. So there is a small chance, like that, there are people watching who maybe have just found us on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Um, for those people who mm-hmm. maybe like, oh, well, I, Miles City Church sounds great. I live in Canada, something like that. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, what are some resources um, that someone maybe who can't be with us in person could use, or even um, for those of us who do come to drive, do we have some resources mm-hmm. we can share with them? Where would you recommend they go to like learn more, things like that? I will say that students are very resourceful. Um, <laughs> you know how to work the internet. You know how to work Google pretty well. Better than their parents Better do. Better than your parents <laughs> do. Um, I would just encourage you to 
to search something, right? Therapy yeah. near me, therapists near me. There's a website called Psychology Today that you can specifically search therapists in a vicinity that specialize with certain you know, areas or disorders or whatever it is. And you can get very nitpicky about what you're looking for. Um, Michigan.gov has resources. There's mm. resources everywhere. Um, but I think the internet's a great place um, to find some of that, especially if you're looking for somewhere local. Virtual sessions are also yep. incredible. Yeah, yeah I, probably 40% of my caseload is virtual appointments. Oh, wow. okay. um, so if you don't have a license yet, if you don't have a car yet, if your parents work late, Try to find a therapist that does virtual stuff. It's it's great. You can mm -hmm. lay in your bed. You can eat snacks and do therapy. Um, Sold. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, so there's lots of resources out there. Um, I don't know if this is technically a resource. Like authors. Sure. Can I share yeah. some authors? Well, you mentioned the Chip Dodd, right? Chip Dodd, Voice yeah. of the Heart. I don't know if you've heard of Timothy Keller. Mm -hmm. um, he's a good one. Ann Voskamp writes a lot of books about suffering and feeling unworthy that are just incredible. Um, there's lots of literature out there of people just sharing their stories of suffering that sure. can be really helpful resources, too. Um, those are kind of the big ones I awesome. I thought of. Oh, school, schools, your counselors, um, social workers at school. Those are a great resource for you as well. And they can even help point you in different directions um, as well. I think that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Amanda, you crushed this. Whoa, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm so glad we had you on. And yeah. we do miss Susan. Um, yeah. But we got some Chick-fil-A on the other side of the couch there. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll drop it off to her. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get there a little safer My than fries are very Bobby Doordost or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. I would say this before we close. Um, if you're a student already at Miles City or if you just happen to stumble upon us, one, we're, we're glad you listen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us. Um, but if you feel uh, like you need help, if you feel like you need someone to talk to, if you feel like you don't have answers, maybe you don't know what's wrong, but you just feel like something's wrong, Reach out to someone. Uh, come find me and Amanda on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd be glad to talk to you. I'll just tell you to go talk to Amanda anyway. So just <laughs> leave me. Just skip my part and just go right to Amanda. Uh, um, but I'm not going to therapize you in the lobby. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just want to talk. Right, exactly. But uh, more than anything, we would love for you to be a part of our community. Yes. Um, because I think community uh, mm -hmm. helps us all. Um, we want you to feel like you are known, seen, and loved. And if we ever drop the ball at that, Jesus never does. Mm. Uh, you are known by Jesus, you are seen by Jesus, and you are loved by Jesus more than we could ever do any of those things. Uh, so at the very least, hold on to that hope. Even mm -hmm. when you're in the darkest pit you've ever been in, Jesus knows it, Jesus sees it, and he loves you, even if you put yourself there. Mm -hmm. So, Amanda, thanks for being on with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> <laughs>